My guest today is an entrepreneur CEO running a successful business. And one day he decides to go talk about his porn addiction. And he doesn't just do it on a small platform with five of his friends or maybe his relatives, maybe his mom, dad. He decides to do it on this place called TED Talks. He gives his speech. Nearly three million people find out about his addiction. And that led to a lot of different dialogues. So with that being said, Ellie Nash, thank you so much for being a guest on Valuetainment. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks for having me. Big fan of your work. About a year ago, I'm sitting in my conference room with a couple of my employees, and one of them asks me, Ellie, what's your goal? Do you mean my goal for this meeting, I asked? He says, no, I'm talking about your 10-year goal. I looked him straight in the eye, and I said, my number one goal is to never watch porn again. Both of them were shocked. I'm sure it wasn't the response they were expecting. On another episode of Soothing Semantics, I am your host, Rafi Pinsky, and today, ladies and gentlemen, we have Ellie Nash. Welcome to the show, Ellie Nash. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Rafi. It's my absolute pleasure. So today we're going to talk about porn, guys, something that uh, many of you watch, some of you don't, um, and we're going to go into it. So it's always an interesting thing to (laughs) to bring up right away, but it's, you know, so... Ellie's given a TED Talk on it. I'm going to drop the link to it. I implore all of you to check it out. Uh, I've watched your TED Talk, by the way, prior to you being on Patrick David's podcast. Extremely cool, man, that that you've gotten on that. Um, So go into a bit about what brought about this this whole uh, life-changing thought where you had a porn addiction like many people, uh, this is something that I honestly have a difficulty with. I'm not even going to deny it. Many people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, I'm very, I'm very excited to have you on. So hopefully we can sort things out a little bit. So what are, what brought this about? What brought about the TED Talk the, specifically? The TED Talk and what made you, what helped you come to this realization that this is a problem and I need to do something about it. Oh, okay. So you're talking about wh- why did I stop watching porn? Right. So in, in my case, porn just started taking out over more and more of my life. It uh, went beyond porn. So, you know, I'd like to say that uh, I turned pixels into people after a while. And as the porn got old and stale, then I moved to strip clubs and massage parlors and some of the other um, behaviors. And once I got into a relationship, I realized it was unsustainable Uh, with a lot of these things uh, you don't realize how much they're affecting you until you try to stop so in my case I got into a relationship uh, I was probably about 27 or 28 years old today I'm 36 and it was the first time I tried to stop some of these behaviors and uh, I I see my I I see the addiction as broader than porn there's a reason I talk about porn specifically uh, but for me, it like I said, it escalated beyond it, and I started getting into behaviors that started controlling my life. I felt sometimes I'd get out of the office and felt like there was a magnet from my car to the strip club and just wow, kind of pulling dude. me there. 
And uh, like I said, once I got into a relationship and I tried to stop, I saw how difficult it was. And more than difficult, I saw how much I had to change about my life in order to stop. So I went to recovery, I went to 12 steps, and in it, the premise is pretty simple. If you want to stop the addiction, you have to be willing to change everything about your life. So One, one thing to interject, I always found it interesting to go to sex ed or like porn addiction, not sex ed, so, uh, you know, a sex addiction mm-hmm. course or whatever, or, or a porn addiction thing, and... I always kind of wondered if you just end up in that class and everyone, since everyone has that difficulty, there'll be a period where everyone's just kind of doing it because, do you understand what I'm saying? I don't know. Okay. On a lot of these TV shows, uh, TV shows are TV shows. People say, oh, well, it's TV. Uh, But you'll have certain shows or movies that show a guy going into uh, a a sex addictions meeting right. and then there's a girl there and they make eye contact and they're talking about how terrible it is and then there's because there's that sexual tension and they end up fooling around so and it sounds funny but do you find that to be uh, no it's been you know I've been going around meetings for a long time and it's not what you'd expect it's not like creeps and trench coats or stuff like that it's very <laughs> it's very very normal guys uh, as a matter of fact compared to other meetings I've attended um, I've walked into meetings for alcoholics. I've walked into meetings for other drug addictions. And in um, meetings for sex addicts, I've, I think that you'll find people who, at least on the outside, appear to have things relatively uh, relatively smooth. Uh, to think about what it means to be a sex addict, one of the ways to think about it is just it's people who are routinely going to sex to deal with life's problems. So sex, just like food, just like alcohol, even certain drugs have certain use cases that are appropriate or healthy. And uh, we oftentimes go to these for a reason that's beyond its stated purpose. So, for example, uh, someone who's a food addict is not necessarily super fat. That's not, (laughs) as a matter of fact, you might find a food addict who's very thin, right? So some sex addicts, quote unquote, don't have sex. They go to the extreme from it. An anorexic would be also in the category. A bulimic would be also in the category of a. I don't find that addict. so often, though. Well, I guess I just don't know. Now that's a good point because if I see someone skinny, I'm not going to assume they're a food addict. Right, but if you went into a Overeaters Anonymous meeting, for example, not that I've ever been to one, I don't know that you'll find everyone very fat. I think the, and if if you do, it's not just because only fat people have, um, have a problem with food. Many of us use food for reasons beyond its stated purpose so for mm-hmm. example let me let me explain what i mean by that i s- spoke about the story actually on the podcast with patrick but david i mentioned that i got a call from a kid 21 22 years old really struggling with porn grew up in a religious background which obviously often feeds into the guilt and shame around pornography and he had tried to stop a few times um and failed he spoke to his rabbi he spoke to friends and wasn't able to what wasn't able to stop he saw my ted talk he reached out to me on facebook and we got on the phone and i asked him you know what are you using porn for when you're going there wh- why are you going there and he answered the same way most guys would answer and the same way most people would answer i don't want to make this a guy problem only he answered the same way most people would answer and just say i'm going there to you know to meet my sexual needs i'm turned on i want to see something i'm a guy mm-hmm. that's the way he said it so i said so you're telling me that every single time you watch porn the reason is, is because you're horny. That's what's going on. And he said, yes. And I knew it wasn't true. How did I know it wasn't true? Because if he was using it in that way, he wouldn't have developed a problem with pornography. 
And during the course of the conversation, I pointed out to him that he was using it when he got into a disagreement with someone. In order of confronting, in, in, instead of confronting discomfort, he often used porn. Hmm. Instead of having a conversation that he didn't want to have or going into work to do something he didn't want to deal with or he was insulted by someone or offended by someone else, whatever it was, he used porn to mask not, and numb those feelings. So how do you know if it's just a, a matter of high sex drive or if it's a matter with using it to mask something? we got to ask yourself that question. Because for me, honestly, I feel like I handle difficulty pretty well. I, don't, I mean, I smoke a vape. I'm addicted to nicotine. I'll admit that right now. It's pretty evident. Um, but as far as, as far as doing, th- I mean, genuinely, I think when I have a difficulty, I face it. I, I can look back at my life and I can say that pretty confidently. Um, this is something that I definitely, I'm openly saying that I would want to work on. And I think most, most men, I'm not going to speak for women, but most men watching this probably are in a similar predicament. It's, it's really common. Well, you can be doing something and not be addicted to it. You can even be doing something often and not be addicted to it. So if we talk about addiction, you know, you, you'll, you'll hear some people say, hey, I'm an alcoholic, but I haven't dr- drank in 20 years. It's like, so what do you mean you're an alcoholic if you didn't drink in 20 years? And then you have someone else who may be drinking a few times a week, but they're not an alcoholic. So what we're talking about often, and you could have a couple different things going on, but sometimes our body can get addicted to something. So mm-hmm. for example, if you stop sugar, after about 7, 14, 21 days, your body would physically start to um, react to this. Mm-hmm. You may have trouble sleeping. You may be more irritable. Something would happen. But after a period of time, I don't know if it's 30, 45, 60 days, different for different people, your body would get back to baseline and you would be okay without the sugar. When someone talks about being an alcoholic, they're not talking about that physical dependency that the body has got used to something. They're talking about the emotional dependency where 10 or 15 years later something happens in their life and the first reaction is I want to drink. The first reaction is I want a drug. The first reaction is I want to watch porn. And whatever that drug of choice is for someone often is that, that addiction. So when we're talking about the emotional addiction, that pull is much more than just a physical addiction going on. So some of the guys you may be talking about who are watching it on a regular basis may not even have the physical addiction. It's just something they got accustomed to. It's a habit. Someone else may have the physical addiction. And someone else may have the emotional addiction. You won't know until you try to stop. So what if it? So well, all around, you're saying it's a bad thing to do altogether. I, I don't. I don't. Th- I don't make that case at all. Okay. No, I'm not anti-porn. I'm not an anti-porn advocate. So let me tell you who I'm talking to. So I'm talking to. Why, why do I speak out? So I speak, like many people, and I'm sure you do as well. You speak to hear the things that you needed to hear five or ten years ago. You hope to say the things that maybe you heard you you hoped someone else would have said without a doubt but i also would like to to i'm also saying that in the present if that makes sense what do you mean well i mean okay well let me put it like this when you brought up that kid mm-hmm. when i was younger and i first started doing it i definitely felt doing guilty. it watching porn watching porn right masturbating i felt bad because it, i was taught to me that that was a bad thing right as you do it more and more and you realize how much of a commonality it is, you're like, this isn't so bad. Everyone else is doing it, right? So you lose that sense of this is a sinful thing. Okay. It, it, it desensitizes you. So now that I'm where I'm at now, and especially in 2021 where everything is kind of okay now and porn is very much promoted more than ever, it's very hard to distinguish between, and, and I think I can do this. I, I I don't think it's healthy for the most part, but I can. Dis- it's hard to distinguish for many people as to whether 
you should be sexually open and free like people in porn or people who watch it because you know they're just very confident and expressive at least outwardly and then the people who don't watch it at all are very sheltered and they're not open about their sexuality right this is a good i guess counter argument so it's kind of a difficult conversation if i if that makes sense well that's what i'm saying i'm not i'm not taking that case i'm not making that leap that porn is bad for everyone like I said, who am I speaking to? What is the message that I needed to hear? I already knew that porn was bad for me. It didn't work for me. It made me feel bad. Mm-hmm. I promised myself multiple times that I was going to stop. But I didn't feel comfortable enough talking to someone about it. There was way too much shame around me. Even though I knew other people watched, I didn't think they watched with the frequency I did. Um, I didn't think they were quite as dependent. And I certainly didn't speak to people about it. And that's who I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to someone who's knows they don't, they don't want to watch it anymore they know it's unhealthy but they can't bring themselves to talk about it if it's working for someone god bless them i treat it the same way do you think it does work for some people it's possible does that does wine work for some people does alcohol work for some people i don't know if that's the, how is that the same argument though that's what i'm saying what, I, what well, i'm i'm not coming from that perspective oh, okay fine i'm coming from the perspective of someone who drank too much wine and is saying i'm stopping to drink wine it's irrelevant to me Fair so enough, someone fair who's enough. made the decision to stop drinking wine does not care if a study comes out tomorrow that a glass of wine a day is the healthiest thing for your heart. It's irrelevant to their decision. For them, they've, made, they've come to the conclusion that wine is not, not useful in their life and they don't want to drink it anymore. And on the flip side, it may, a, another study may come out that it's terrible for everyone, also irrelevant to them. They're looking at it from their perspective, and I'm the same way with pornography. I've spoken to some of the guys that... Uh, fight the new drug and covenant eyes and I hear those arguments and I'm not saying I agree or disagree it's just not my message my message is for the person who's already identified porn as a problem or who has a real question around it Mm. and then to feel comfortable talking about it that it's not shameful to say hey I watch too much porn I'm I'm trapped in this a little bit and that goes back to why I talk about porn versus some of the other stuff I got trapped in is porn has become so commonplace porn is so insidious it's so available and accessible there are so many things out there that are not called porn that but may as well be porn is there really something different that goes on in our mind like once the actual like areola of the nipple if that's what it's called is shown like oh magic now there's something that goes on or is all this stuff on instagram essentially the the same thing it's everywhere you can't you can't you can't avoid it it's it's you well you you can do your best you can definitely stay away from it to a larger degree than most people do but it is around every corner. We're, we live in a hypersexualized society. There's For a sure. lot of sex coming out. So to, to give people the comfort to talk about that and to not be ashamed to say, hey, I got a problem. I've gone too far in this regard. That's the reason I talk. Okay. It's hard, it's, it's, it can be hard to determine that. The best way, if someone has a question, the best thing to do is stop and see what happens. Fair enough. For sure, yeah, it's something. It's something that I should definitely <laughs> think about. It's it's funny though because a lot of people wouldn't even be confident enough to talk about it on a podcast. But the funny thing is, here's a good one. There are so many people, including me, and I'll say this honestly, who don't see adult actors or actresses in a good light. You know, you a lot of people don't necessarily have so much respect for them because you say, "Oh, well, that's what you're doing for a living." But then they'll go ahead and watch them. Right. It's very, and it's like, <laughs> you can't really, sh- you don't care if I throw some, some bombs. Ahead, you don't care if you, you have no problem shitting on them, but then you'll go and watch them. So it's yeah. like, if you if you think they're such bad people, then don't go watch the, th- you know what I mean? You, you, so that's, what, that's, that's all right, I say. Right, you're in the transaction. 
you're 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 part of it. You're giving them business. You're supporting them. So at the end of the day, you know, uh, you're essentially buying their product, but then you say the product sucks. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah, you articulated it well. So and listen, I should say this, right? When you when it comes to porn, right, there are certain things around pornography that everyone can admit is negative, right? So for, for example, the way a lot of porn is made, where people are tricked into it, or very young people are. Um, manipulated into doing it or there are stories of people who thought that their porn videos were only going to be aired in different countries and they need a little bit of money and then they signed a paper that said they can air it everywhere so a number of or stories modeling like and they, they were going to model exactly. and then they ended up the fact of the matter is 10 people the f- asking them to get naked and the fact of the matter is with that i think it's totally wrong but then again as as an adult i mean some of these they're 18 they don't know anything but then again you're human. I mean, that's that's the world we live in. Like, it's important to be well, knowledgeable. We have to be right if we're. Well, in what sense? I'm saying we don't have to resign ourselves to the world. That's why we're here. We want to change certain things. Oh, 100 percent. You're right. I agree with you. No, it should be it definitely should be worked on. Right. So when um, I'm saying I'm not an anti-porn advocate, I think there are things that we can all agree are negative. I think relationship. I think relationships definitely suffer from it for the most part. Uh, uh, you 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 know I, I'm confident you mentioned this, and I don't want to quote it quote you if you didn't. Um, but I, what I remember you saying, and this is something I've thought prior to hearing it from you, is when you constantly watch it, you can see women in that light because it's it's complete fantasy. So you see this this video put together. The woman is just she's 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 into it immediately. There's no kind of rapport and all that. It's just right to it, and it's very easy to if you're if you get sucked into that to in your regular life have that that uh that understood that understanding you'll have that that feeling of physicality every time you meet a woman you won't necessarily see them on an emotional level but it'll cause right right and i found that for me for example is when i was watching porn regularly i was objectifying women a lot more than i do now right they they instantly became an object to me when I saw them. And, and I think I, this is stopping, everyone. Right. Stopping to watch porn has certainly helped me to see a human being as a human being versus as a sex object. I think there's something else also in porn. And this isn't across the board in porn, but most of the common stuff and most of the things that most people are watching are fairly violent. There's a lot of, and whether it's violent, um, like a, a rape scene or violent in terms of... Um, what's the uh like humiliating there is there is a lot of that and i think it's sad that uh, a lot of teenagers get their sex education from pornography and then the first time they meet a woman they they assume that is the norm right that is the way to treat um i haven't seen this interview with pamela anderson but i heard um i think it was patrick but david who spoke about it that when she has a son and as he got older she wanted to make a point to let him know that what he's seeing in porn is not the way women necessarily want to be treated. There are certain things going on in pornography that are interesting for the viewer, interesting for... Uh, there probably are women that, that actually do that in their personal lives, though. Sure, but it's not it's most. Not, no, it's not the norm. It's not most. No way. The assumption for a, a teenager who's having sex for the first time that the girl he's meeting wants to have sex in that way, it's... Very problematic. Right. I know someone else, I've heard someone else describe it, I don't remember who, but um, I think it was a female talking about it, and she spoke about porn as hands-off sex, right? So in order to get the good shot, they're going to have to move the actor's hands out of the way, which is not, 
it's not the loving, intimate um, sex that a couple will normally have. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, you don't normally have sex like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do it, but if you don't do it that way in the porn shot, you don't get a good clip. And that's another thing, for example, that a teenager seeing that. Like I said, I don't usually talk about this, and it's not my angle, but I think there are certain things that we can all agree on are unhealthy without becoming massive anti um, porn advocates and that's for teenagers to be brought up in this way and be taught hey this is porn uh, this is this is sex right hands off sex for example or humiliating or violent sex obviously is not who who would want to teach their kids that no it's 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 wild man but you know i i really like what fight the new drug talks about they say well, they're not they're, they're they're not pro legislation against porn. Or I don't say they're not pro or not, but their organization isn't focused on on that. Uh, they're not focused on um, the religious, like used the word sinful before. They don't make those. They don't take those approaches. The way they see it is: can we give kids a chance to not watch porn? In other words, uh, there was a study that they tried to do to figure out the effects of porn on teenagers. I forget which university was trying to do this, and they couldn't find a control group. Right, the control group would be teenagers who hadn't seen porn, hmm. and then they can understand how porn is affecting people. But when everyone has seen porn, is there a teenager that doesn't watch porn? Right, find, exactly. find me one. <laughs> right, so how do you measure it? <laughs> That's the, how would you even stop that? It's, I don't think it's possible. Well, unless, they weren't were trying to stop it as much as they were trying to figure sure. out what is it. What does it actually do to someone? But if you can't uh-huh. find anyone who hasn't seen porn, then you can't really measure the effects of it. So obviously, it's it's out there. So what they're trying to do is, could we give the average teenager enough information that before they're fully sucked into the world, they have the choice around it. So the podcast that Fight the New Drug has is called Consider Before Consuming. And what they try to do is, hey, these are some of the facts that you may want to consider before getting into it. Have you heard of a PIED, porn-induced erectile dysfunction? There are many people who get very used to pornography that they actually cannot reach orgasm in a real relationship. It's really, it's terrible. So, anyway. I've heard about this. Yeah. Yeah. So that may be something that would be worthwhile for a teenager to know before they're five or six years in to watching pornography. I wonder, I honestly wonder basis. if, unless they're extremely religious and, and sheltered, if there's anyone from the age of 15 and on who hasn't seen it, it's like, I can't even imagine. That's how, that's how crazy of a world we live in. I, I I doubt watching pornography once is going to create porn-induced erectile dysfunction. It right, but if you're happen. watching it once, the chances of you watching it again are highly, highly likely. A one-and-done thing is, is very slim, in my opinion. So we went into porn. Mm-hmm. Now with relationships, like how, how long has it been since you've... It's an interesting question. Porn? So the way I measure it is actively... Um, seeked out porn because like I said you can bump into it in a lot of different ways but it's been uh, close to four and a half years that I haven't watched pornography wow yeah wow and you're talking about someone who watched pretty much on a daily basis morning and evening and sometimes in between so it was regular and now it's not and the benefits are all over my life I agree with you I'm on I'm on your side on this 100% I'm just like I'm, I'm like I'm honestly just like taking it in because I'm thinking about it. So what are what do you think some solutions are? Like what has helped you 
really, really put, keep yourself away from it. Obviously being aware, as you mentioned, talking about it, being open about it. Um, are there certain ways to keep yourself away specifically? Like are there certain mental things you can do? Well, when, when people reach out to me with this, and again, I speak to people who, I, I never try to convince someone that porn is bad for them. I never try to convince someone that it's the wrong way of life for them. That's not, that's not my audience. My audience okay. is people who already question it or have an issue with it. And then the question becomes, how do I stop or how do I find out whether or not I have an issue with it? So for those who aren't sure whether they have an issue with it, try and stop. And if you're like, no way, then you got an issue with it. Oh, for <laughs> right? sure. Then you got an issue with it. So try and stop and see what happens. For 30 or 60 days, test yourself and see what it does. I can tell you when I stopped the first time, uh, those first 60 days were some of the toughest. The first two or three weeks were pretty easy because I was committed and I was disgusted with myself and I was, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. I didn't just come from a, a passive place of maybe I should stop or hearing someone on a podcast test myself. I knew I was done. I had I'd smashed a laptop, threw it down the garbage chute, and I'm like, I'm done watching porn. I promise Wow, you, so you, that's yeah, what you did? Yeah, I promised wow, myself man. so many times I'm not watching pornography and here I am again. I was so disgusted with myself. It's humiliating. It's demoralizing. When you tell yourself, I'm never going to do something. You tell other people that. You put um, boundaries around yourself to stop yourself from it. And you go back to it. It's demoralizing. So keep in mind, I started this. I mentioned that um, I haven't watched pornography in four and a half years. I started this journey eight years ago. So something happened between those, Before those four years. That time. Right. Not that it, it definitely slowed down. It didn't go from 60 to zero. But there were times where I tripped up again, sometimes for longer, sometimes for shorter. But when I'm, when I, so I'm coming from that place, the first two or three weeks, relatively easy. I'm coasting on momentum. Then something happened to me about three weeks in. And it was sweats, sleeplessness, irritability. You actually um, had withdrawal. Withdrawal, full on withdrawal. Full on withdrawal, the way people describe. I didn't know what I was going through. You're in your bed and you're just bugging out. Sleep, yeah. It's crazy. Sleep, sweating pissed off at everything uh driving and just getting you know the, the why is the light red and why is this i'm like i'm not like this so what here's the thing on? though did you completely refrain from masturbation or only from porn i've done both at different i've done both at so different that's times. another thing matter. i want to get into it after this it, it didn't matter just porn by itself even if i continued masturbating from time to time um porn itself created an issue an issue for me beyond masturbation i know people have had a lot of issues with masturbation alone but i'm that, that hasn't been mine. It was more the, the porn. And my, my issue could be even just watching porn and not masturbating to it. Right? Just seeing that, I'll feel a, a shift. I'll tell you a story, actually. You're a realtor. Um, a few months ago, I was um, going with my wife to check out a house. And we came to the house, and right there, right when you opened the door. It's a shame I didn't know about it. <laughs> right in the door was a picture of Pamela Anderson, leg spread. They call it, considered it art. And I was like, whoa, it just stunned me. And I told the realtor, I was like, you know, it would have been nice if... I knew about this. Right. Some, no, it would have been nice if someone mentioned this. And I told her, I said, you know, I've been, I try specifically not to watch porn. I mean, this is like, this is not nudity as art. This right. was... And then throughout the home, um, there were multiple pictures of nudity, some which were just nudity and art, and some which were full-on porn. And I found myself completely disoriented the rest of the day. There was something that released inside me i wasn't able to work i wasn't able to function something something changed and it took me a couple days to to get back to normal so in any case about three weeks in i start feeling those very strong symptoms and then what what i was very surprised about uh, were these emotions that started coming up anxiety 
sadness. Sometimes I woke up crying in the middle of the night in the first couple of months. And that's when I realized that porn for me wasn't really about the arousal, the sex drive, and things like that. I was using porn in order to numb you and mask this, uncomfortable I, feelings. I remember you mentioned this. And all of those feelings started coming back. And then it, gives, it gave me an opportunity, and I know for many others who stopped as well, to deal with those underlying issues. So the benefit that comes from stopping to watch porn is not I no longer watch porn anymore, is now the, um, the problems that I've been masking through porn all of a sudden come to the surface and are put into the light, and now I can, now I can deal with it. So now you have to handle them. The porn isn't masking it anymore. Now it's out in the open. It's similar for me... And this is this is uh, this is why. And I, from time to time, I'll, you know, I've, I've had my had my weed, not into it, mm-hmm. not something I, I very rarely do. When I do it, sometimes it's enjoyable, and other times I just I I'll sit there and I'll, I'll think, if I were to do this all the time, I would never face any of my issues. It completely clouds your judgment, makes everything seem like life. It, it seems like everything is so blissful. And in reality, you know you have 27 things that need to be done tomorrow, whether it's working on yourself or working on your business. And I definitely think it, it, it porn is, is similar to, what, to that kind of to that sort of thing. What porn did for me was it put me in a, a virtual bubble. When I was walking around, there was it was almost as if there was this protective bubble around me where the world couldn't quite get to me things couldn't quite affect me or so i thought that's what it felt like in the bubble and once i stopped watching porn the bubble started disintegrating and suddenly i was face to face because it's like a secret world. world porn is that it's that underworld no one knows what you're watching no one knows when no one you know it's that you get to kind of you kind of sneak off into the bathroom wherever you wherever you go and just kind of watch those things you know and then you just go and you finish and go along with your life and it's as if nothing happened. You know what I'm saying? So for people, I think it's that, yeah, I, I think it completely correlates. Yeah, well, I've, I've read a lot of books on addiction um, across categories of addiction. And I think that what I'm describing is probably much more similar to the average addict's experience than it is to the average porn user's experience. Mm-hmm. That an addict their drug of choice somehow creates this bubble-like effect for them. And for me, alcohol doesn't do that for me, but for someone who is an alcoholic, I'm fairly certain they have that same experience. When they're drinking, there's something, they're, they're just suddenly in this protective bubble, and it doesn't just last while they're drunk. It will last for weeks afterwards as well. In the interim, kind of between yeah. drinks? And it, it can happen even, I started noticing this, which is really interesting. As, you're, as, as someone is working on stopping, what one of the things it needs is kind of hyper awareness. So what, what that would mean is, okay, I'm watching porn now. And I told myself I wasn't going to, when was this decision made? When was, when did the first thought come up? So you start paying attention to when that, that first, like almost the, the initial idea mm-hmm. went into, like got into your head. And in that awareness for myself, I, I started noticing how I can be involved in interaction, something at work, someone comes to me with a, a report I don't like. Something's going on that I'm, I'm unhappy with or gives me a little fear or anxiety. And the thought at the same time as looking at the report is this thought that I can go watch porn this evening. So I've already started from that moment. I've already escaped into porn, even without watching porn. And this happens, you'll, you'll hear it as well with people who are looking for their drug, cruising for prostitutes or buying, buying some drugs or alcohol. They, 
the process starts from when they're in the office and something happens. They say, you know what? Instead of going home today, I'm going to do a detour to the bar. They're already in a different state right then. Like it already starts delivering on its promise, quote unquote, of soothing, of giving you an escape. As soon as you go there in your mind and say, okay, today I'm going to... Um, I'm going to stop at the bar on the way home and have a couple of shots. There's a technical term for it, but I'm forgetting it. There's a a process of the addiction. I'm curious to know what the, the term is called. Not just the drug itself. But it's I, the, I would be in a trance way before I saw the porn or got into or, or went to a strip club. It would be, hey, I'd seen a stripper three weeks earlier on a Thursday night and... Something just happened at the office. I'm like, hey, it's Thursday night. You remembered Maybe that, that time. stripper is working there tonight, also Thursday night. And all of a sudden, I'm there. I'm in that trance. I've already escaped. I'm no longer fully present. Be, this, this makes me think about, about an, uh, another related conversation. There are so few people that don't have some sort of vice. Most people you meet either like to drink occasionally, smoke occasionally, have sex occasionally, watch porn occasionally. The, Whatever they, whatever their poison is, very rarely do you meet a person that just doesn't have any poisons. Sure. And it's, and it makes you kind of wonder when you step out of reality, when you step out of, yeah, when you step away from reality for a moment, you kind of say, what is normal? What is healthy? Is it good to take a break and have a few drinks? How many are okay? Is it okay to to hit the bong? Is it okay to watch that random porn video on a Tuesday? What at what point does it become a problem? And I think going back to what you said, it's very important to be self-aware. But th- we we can go down a whole rabbit hole here, you know, based on which religion you were raised in, what kind of culture you came from, whether uh, something is acceptable. For instance, in Judaism, drinking is fine. In many instances, we celebrate with alcohol. In Islam, it's forbidden. You know, so if we're looking at alcohol from a religious perspective, in these two religions, they're very different. Looking at porn, they would sex both agree. Too, sex in different religions. Okay. Right? Yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. 100. Um, percent And and that's what's so that's what can be so confusing. It's it's. I think I th- what I can say for myself is, I think all of us can get an idea as to whether something we're doing is too much, and it's hurting us. I think we have this intuition and this self understanding. But I think some people are willing to actually fight it and say, hold on, I am in way too deep. I have to I have to do something. And other people come to a point where they know it's bad for them, but they're so far in, they say, whatever, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, there's no question addiction lives on a spectrum, right? So when you're talking about uh, we're all escaping, numbing, and distracting in one way or another, mm-hmm. right? This These kind of... These conversations, if one is doing them six times a day, can also be a form of escape and numbing and distracting. Anything could become that. Work can become that. Relationships can become that. Food can become that. Anything. Healthy things. Religion people, can people become say that. Po- people say there was a joke going around that like people with podcasts are doing that. That what? The people ha- that have podcasts are using it as some sort of escape or whatever. Could be for some. Yes, I, don't, sure. I don't find that to be for me. I, I, don't, I don't. Genuinely, I don't. I find them very connecting when I do it, but there's certainly a way to escape with it. But it has nothing to do. That's why it has nothing to do with the thing. 
Okay. That's why I don't talk so much about porn. I understand porn. what you're saying. I mean, obviously, there are certain things that are more common and more powerful. Porn is very, um, is, is tapping into certain things, just like drugs is tapping into certain things that are some of the most powerful drivers of dopamine in our system that are going to, you know, rev us up in ways that other things, that other things can't and won't. But when we talk about addiction, it's for different people, there are different things. And it's how long can we ignore the negative consequences of our choices. So, for, for example, one person may be running very often. And while they may be addicted, quote unquote, to running, in other words, if they were forced to stop running, it would be very difficult for them to function. That runner, you couldn't compare to someone who's had multiple knee surgeries. His doctor advises him to not run anymore. Tell him it's terrible for you. You've got to find another form of exercise. Mm-hmm. Your knees are going to collapse, and this guy can't stop. So the, what's the difference between the first and the second? It's not how addicted they are, but how willing they are to ignore the consequences that are showing up in their life. And that's why it's a, a very good a, example. Right, a big part of the recovery, of the recovery process, is that awareness to see, Okay, is this affecting my life in a negative way? And if so, am I willing to stop this behavior? Another good, really good example for that is actually the the lockdowns and everything that happened from 2020 and on. Mm -hmm. A lot of stuff that we were attached to that we were never forced to give up, we suddenly were forced to give up. And someone who was attached in unhealthy ways to whatever that may be, I don't know, socializing, partying, and it wasn't, they never had to stop. It wasn't destroying them in any particular way, but suddenly they were forced to stop and they could have gone through some incredibly difficult few months having to adjust to a life without their favorite form of escape when previously there never, this never was an issue for them. And that's part of the process of recovery is continuously looking at those things that are encroaching on our life in such a way. If you're missing rent payments and you're doing podcasts all day, then someone's going to ask, hey, what's going on in your life that you're missing rent payments? And it's like, oh, podcasting is good. No, isn't it good? I'm going to message. Well, it may not be good if it's causing these, That'd be these, wild. Right, these negative consequences, if you're <laughs> avoiding work and money-making opportunities for, for this. So you know, it's, it's like everything else. It's Absolutely. that constant awareness and that ability for us to be able to slow down and sit, slow down, sit with ourselves and see what's really going on. I don't think it's a mistake that meditation is one of the steps one of the 12 steps is meditation to regularly tune in and check check in with ourselves check in with source higher power god whatever the word is that uh, works for someone but the 12 steps is strongly into a connection with a higher being and a higher power and just checking in on a regular basis and saying hey what's going on 100 percent. now we're probably going to tie back into this in a moment but wanted to hear a little bit about your upbringing as far as what your family felt about this, and, um, you grew up Orthodox. You yeah. grew up Orthodox. Grew up Orthodox you grew up yeah. Chabad, which I'll explain to you guys is a form of Hasidic uh, Judaism. Uh, many of them reside in the Crown Heights area of, of Brooklyn, New York. Uh, so growing up, I presume your family wasn't too fond of pornography, as, as mine wasn't. Uh, but I also wanted to know how you came to where you are today. You're, you're traditional? Where are you kind of holding now? I don't know that there's an exact label for it. I know. Yeah, I know people don't like labels, but are you? Where would you say you kind of stand now? And and you're are you are you somewhat observant? Do you? <coughs> the only reason I I'm identify as strongly Jewish. Okay, I'm, fair I'm enough. Proud of my Jewish culture, Jewish faith, Jewish 
um, traditions, etc. In terms of raising my kids, yeah, I like to take I like to take them to synagogue from time to time, but mm-hmm. um, I resist most of the uh, what do you the restrictions that Judaism places on some people, and I choose not to live with most of them today. Okay, understood. Uh, uh, okay, now as far as the as far as pornography, which we've been talking about. How do you feel growing up in the, you know, the way you grew up had an effect, whether negative or positive? You brought it up to me earlier in the beginning of the episode. You mentioned it. I just wanted to delve into it a little more. But I often wonder about that. Um, would I, is part of the reason I've had a problem with pornography because the religious upbringing and negative messaging I've had around pornography, it being referred to as a sin, oftentimes is the worst sin masturbation and if there was some negative programming there that played a role in the shame and guilt and everything else it's certainly possible but again it's irrelevant to me it's not i i don't get lost too much in how it happened and why it happened as much as where am i today and what do i have to deal with but anecdotally most people i know who struggle with pornography grew up with religious values um religious upbringing and certainly with religious uh, messages around pornography but around sex but that being said you know you said sex is um common in america it's, it's out there it's a sexualized society but um i've seen studies that people are actually having less sex now than ever so why we're why while we're a hyper sexualized society there also is a lot of negative messaging around sex that exists as well well what's interesting oh this this opens a whole new conversation what's interesting is that in in a lot of countries where sex before marriage, pornography, uh, specifically in Middle Eastern countries, you'll find that a large percentage percentage of the porn viewers are from these countries. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is because that's their only form of getting that. Because they can't, a lot of them can't actually get that the same way we can just go to a club or a strip club or a call, whoever. Because it's so open to us in a sense... And this is and it's interesting you brought this up because I was saying because it's so available, it's easier to do. In a sense, it is easier to do, but because it's easier to do, we might not have as much of the urge as if it's completely not allowed. If I'm living in Afghanistan mm-hmm. and you don't have the party scene like you do in Miami, for instance. So for them, they're seeing it all over the world. They're seeing people partying in Miami and they're seeing these beautiful women dancing and running around. They're if they're in their 20s or their late teens, they have hormones. They're hormonal people. They have those urges, and they are looking and saying, wow, I can go to Miami and go and do that, those things. It's forbidden, but I kind of want to do it. It's exciting. So you're saying for, that that drive, it's that, it's that, coupled with the reverse drive of, hey, correct. this is negative and shameful and sinful. Correct. It makes it more enticing. Right. Does it create Just a whole, combustion? It's and possible. we have that as we, we have that no matter which religion you, you, you'll grow up in. I can speak for Judaism generally from a psychological standpoint if you're pushed very hard in one direction you have this urge to to see what's on the other side Uh, you know don't push that big red button you tell your kid don't push that big red button they're looking at the big red button they're like ah you know listen i'm fortunate enough uh for one way or another to have uh very personal conversations with people about some of the deepest struggles in life which gives me a window into people especially around pornography that others may not have right Mm -hmm. just by virtue of the fact that I'm willing to speak about it. So oftentimes people come to talk to me about their problems. 
So um, I'm reminded of a, a conversation I had a few years ago where someone heard me speak. I was speaking about an event about sex addiction. And he comes to me afterwards and he says he's religious, he's married, he has children. Um, and he recently just crossed that uh, very thin barrier between pixels and people, like I mentioned, watching pornography for a long time. And at some point saying, hey, let me see what's on the other side of this. Let me see if I get on the other side of the camera, so to speak. And he had acted out for the first time um, with in, while he was married with an actual physical human being. So he was feeling very, very, very shameful around this. And he cheated on his wife. And how could he do this? And he uh, he's religious and all the religious, you know, all of those messages. And I, I showed him how to do in the conversation kind of the same thing I do when when something happens. We need to be able to step back. And I, I like to tell people, you got to look at it as a reporter, right? Not the modern day bullshit reporters. I'm talking about a real reporter who's going to go in and just report the facts as they see it. No judgments. We're just we're coming on the scene. That's very hard for someone to go and, and do and that. do for themselves. Well, it takes a lot of courage because, quite frankly, I can't say I've been in that predicament. I'm proud, proud, I think of, the, we all need to do it proud of the life. fact that I haven't been. But I, I can't imagine what that's like because it's like a one-time thing and he feels horrible about it. Who do you go to to talk about well, that? Well, right now he's talking to me. No, I see that. But that from your I'm end... that's for what, himself, he's got to be the reporter. Takes a, yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm just speaking about this. takes a ton of courage to come forward and bring that up to somebody. Yeah, it absolutely does. Or yeah. It's somewhere between courage and desperation. Yeah, 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 for sure. Really, really scared. Without a doubt. You know, he, he, was, he was dealing with a tremendous amount of guilt, a tremendous amount of shame which resulted in a real feeling of desperation, hearing me talk about it, and then summing up the courage to say, okay, I got to ask this guy for help because I was there and I was stuck in those places and I did feel that way. So the question is, how did I get to the other side? And that's, that's who you want to talk to. You want to talk to someone who had your struggle and no longer does, or even if they do, I don't want to say I don't struggle with pornography anymore. My mind doesn't go there sometimes, but it's, I've, I've certainly figured out something about it. So he comes to talk to me about this and I tell him, okay, we got to be a reporter in the story that's a pretty big leap that you made from sitting on this side of this camera to going on the other side. Mm -hmm. What happened? What happened just before you did that? And as we're going through the story, well, nothing specifically. Well, when did you start thinking about it? Because sometimes you can start thinking about it or playing with it a little bit and visiting maybe porn sites that allow you to, um, I don't want to go into too much details, but that basically allow you to meet people. It also tricks your brain. If you're watching that kind of, I don't know this guy, obviously, but it could have been he was watching that kind of porn. You understand but what I'm saying? But he's been watching that for years, and something happened to say, okay, i got to go further. And it was very interesting. As we spoke and pulling it back further and further, what had happened, and this is like the paradox, like everything I find in this healing work, recovery, is one paradox after the next. Believe it or not, what prompted him to go seek out another human being to have sex with when he had never done this in his marriage until now was that he had a child who was born with an illness and he believed that this was his punishment for watching too much porn so you understand you, you understand the paradox he was so ashamed that he created this for his child that he created that because of what he did in his mind he believed so it paradoxical so so then he so then he went ahead and made it even worse Exactly. You're right. It doesn't make any sense, but it's he felt so badly about himself that he did the only thing he knows how to do when he feels badly about himself. And that's the cycle. It spins on a cycle. But you know what? That's in, in actuality, it's not that crazy because I think some people can say, well, 
I fucked up this bad. What's the use? Like, might as well go all the way. Some people have that. It's like, I've done it. I've, I've, right. It I screwed up. Like, I screwed up. Let me just, let me, you know what? Right. You it could be I'm like saying? an effort. I, it didn't sound yeah, yeah. to me like it came from an effort. It sounded me like it sounded to me, but I understand that one too. It sounded more to me like it came from a place of such deep and profound pain and then doing what he could to numb it. And By because doing that. this was because this was an even deeper level of pain than he had normally felt, the porn wasn't working anymore, and he needed to go. He needed even a bigger hit of the drug or a different kind of drug. So suddenly, someone who was using marijuana for years suddenly moved over to cocaine. He needed to mask sex with uh, porn with actual sex. He needed to mask the pain he was living in with something that was a more potent drug, and this was. This was a more potent drug. He had never did it. It had he, he'd certainly never done it since he was married. It had a lot of um, power to numb the pain he was he was living in. You still talk to him? Yeah, and um, I I speak to him every few months. He he reaches back out to me, and since that conversation, he's been on the journey. Has he told to his stop. wife? It was one of the first things I told him. Is that at some point in time, he's going to have to tell his wife about not the details. I like to say, um, you, you want to be rigorously honest not brutally honest right so rigorously honest is hey i haven't been faithful in our relationship and i'm doing what i could to do something about it and i'm not saying to spring it in that way sometimes it's done best with a therapist i'm not going to give that kind of blanket advice to anyone listening to this but generally speaking to have a relationship with someone there has to be honesty so if this there's sort of massive secret sitting in between a couple whether it's said or not said it's going to create a friction there without a question so I let him know that my opinion was that at some point in time, there's going to have to be a form of disclosure. But God, that's got to be the hardest thing in the world. Very difficult, but it could bring <sighs> couples a lot closer. And the key is... Closer than before? Um, Esther Perel, who's a very famous relationship therapist, says cheating can, can either lead to a breakup or a breakthrough. Because if you think about it, when he cheated on his wife, the relationship wasn't good the day before he cheated. It didn't get bad because he cheated. There was the dysfunction lived there before, and now something happened that suddenly forces the couple that to look at it. That takes an extremely forgiving partner, though. Yeah, if the partner is extremely forgiving and loves that person unconditionally, because I can say, for one, I've never cheated, and I, as far as I know, I really don't think I've ever been cheated on. Like, the girls I've dated, I cannot imagine would do that. And I don't know what I would do. Like, if I, if I was cheated on, I don't know if I would be able to forgive that. To be honest, you, you want to know and who knows? I, I've been on one end of that equation, and um, fortunately, my wife has forgiven me, and we've come to a place where, in many ways, it probably strengthened our relationship. I do not know that I would be able to uh, be on the other side of that. I don't know that I'd ever be able to recover from something like that. So maybe it's a male-female thing. I'm not sure, um, but maybe. it's. Um, I, I can tell you that I know many people who have gone through that gone through disclosure, and have gotten to a much healthier place in their relationship. I hear that. It's wild. It's wild to put it that way, but it makes sense. Yeah. But what I, I did want to focus on with that story was more how the religious guilt for him created the addiction. So you would think that, oh, if someone believes that bad things in their life are because of pornography or cheating on their wife or something else, then they'd be less likely to act out in that way. And in fact, no, they're more likely to act out in that way because it's bringing such profound pain 
that I, I believe this is not the paradox of all problems. This is the paradox of addiction. When something comes to addiction, no matter how, when, the worse it gets, the more likely someone is to go to addiction because someone can be arrested from their, from their drug use and then they'll feel so desperate and then the only thing they know how to do to numb the pain is to go back to the drugs. So a guy just gets out of prison for using drugs and then goes back that evening to use drugs. Why are you doing it? Because I'm in too much pain and I only know one way to numb the pain. So for instance, with, with hard drugs, I've seen way too many documentaries and I've seen, and I've met, I don't, to be honest, most of my friends, I don't, I don't have any friends really growing up that, that was something I, I can uh, credit very strongly to my grandmother. She was always, she always used to talk about these things to me, but I, I, I don't know. I had. I, I think I just had that understanding. Even when I was younger, I would see some people around me that were clearly very, very high on whatever it was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't weed or anything soft. It was hard, hard shit. And I just knew I didn't want to be that person. And I saw how hard they, how much pain they were in. And I said, oh, no, I can't. I can't do that. It's not worth trying. And I've been offered it and things like that. And I just, I was like, this is going to ruin my life forever. And I was able to stay away from it. Um, Ironically, it, the same with me. Alcohol, drugs, <coughs> gambling, a lot of these stuff. Gambling, too. I'm the same way. I had no issue with it. I prided myself yeah, actually either. on not being an addict. And one of the gamble for me to accept was that I was addicted to pornography and to strip clubs and to other such behaviors. It was Strip clubs I don't get, by the way. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't fathom that. I, 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 don't get me wrong. There are women there and everything, but you, you just, I don't know. I mean, you can get the full package, so to speak. I know it's a funny conversation. But I always had a, I, for me, I, I can't get enjoyment out of it because if you're going to spend money, then you, you're just kind of getting teased. It's not, but I guess for some, there's a lot of guys who like it. I guess, you know, you, you enjoyed it. Uh, by no means judging because I completely understand it. I just, for me, I couldn't, I could never, few times I've gone, I don't know, I couldn't really, couldn't see it. But, no yeah. comment. <laughs> yeah, 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 man, because for, bro, most people are, most people would disagree with me, so. I completely get it. No, I understand the the sentiment. I'm just like I said, no comment. (laughs) (laughs) Is there is there anything else you wanted to touch up on? No, I think we're good. I hope that uh, this gives someone something to think about. And again, no judgment on anyone who's who's uh, struggling with it or someone who's okay with it. uh, If if anyone's got a uh, problem with it, feel free to reach out to me, and uh, hopefully, I can. Awesome. Direct them some of the stuff that works. I will definitely share your social media. I just we had a, we had a good moment a second ago, so I'm still like, okay, uh, peoples. I hope you learned a lot from this episode. I sure as hell did. I, I gained a ton from this. This is I've never openly discussed this ever. Like I've talked, we talk about it with I talk about it with friends occasionally, but we don't talk about it. None of us have this knowledge of it we'll we'll talk about how it's good we'll talk about how it's bad i mean it's really not very good but you know we a lot of us will come to terms with it we'll say okay well we all do it so it's fine but i've never openly on a podcast been open to the fact that yeah i, I watch it 100 percent. well if you know, you're up for the 60 day challenge you try 60 days of not using it i want uh, to i'll be honest i'll be very honest I'll, with I'll you on right my podcast i yeah. don't know if i'm ready for it There's no, you're <laughs> never going to be ready for it i got it yeah no i've i've done it before when i was in when I was in Israel and, and did, I did that year, that gap year, um, I stopped for about two and a half months. And? And I was able to do it. But then I went back and then from then on, I don't know. I, I got, I did it. So if I know I did it, I can do it again. I just. Um, if you can't do it again, you got to ask yourself why. And if you could do it again, then 
You're 100 you know, percent right, though. It's like what? another one of those paradoxes again. You know, if you can't do it, if it, if it's a big deal, then it's a big if you know if it's a big deal, then it's a big deal. Right. <laughs> no. If 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 I should be able to, if I'm gonna say I can stop, but I don't want to stop. But meaning you said, right. well, Let's do the 60 days, and I say, Yeah, great. And then tomorrow or today, it's like, Yeah, I want. Right, like, let's start tomorrow. Let's start days, next week. Right. 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 right, right. Like, yeah, I can do it, no problem. You know? Then it's not really. It, it might not be an issue. Right. I, I once had someone who is profoundly drunk and it was my you know I, I walked into synagogue and he was just being completely obnoxious with me and i knew it wasn't on purpose it was just because he was drunk and this was my first year in 12 steps so oftentimes like right when you get into something you become someone an evangelist for it and everyone has to know this and i got to tell this person about it right. so I, I called him up the next day and i said you know that wasn't so pleasant the way you were with me in synagogue he's like oh i didn't realize that i know and i said i'm sure you didn't realize you were Drunk, drunk yeah. right? That's my point. Like, and I said, have you ever considered that you may have a problem with, with alcohol? And I wouldn't do this today, but at that point in time, like I said, I become some, I'd, I'd become somewhat evangelist for it. And he said, No, I know I don't have a problem with uh, with alcohol. I said, How do you know? He said, Because I, I gathered all the, um, all the like vodka and whiskey and everything in my house. I put it in the freezer, and I didn't touch it for for um, six weeks straight or eight weeks straight. I said, Did you put your cocaine in there also? No. No, I don't have cocaine. I don't do cocaine. I said, exactly. You don't have a problem with cocaine. So you're not counting how many days you're not using it. You got a problem with alcohol. That's why you're counting how many days you're not using it. <laughs> right? It's not a proof the fact that you don't do it. <laughs> Spot on, dude. <laughs> Spot on. There's no reason why you're going to count it if it isn't an issue, 100%. That's, that's, that's so accurate. Okay. Well. Needless to say, the conversation wasn't effective. I'm sure he's drinking, <laughs> I'm sure he's drinking I'm today sure he's open that. I'm sure he's opened that freezer right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Ali. Right. Have a great one. Thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity. My absolute pleasure. Guys, make sure to check out the TED Talk with him and stay tuned.